1: to find and hit on sleepers. That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretchen You can find my Twitter at Gretch You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me as always is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work over at Rotovis. And today we're joined by an industry titan, Analyst of the Year, I think twice in a row, while I was uh, there at CBS. A buddy of mine, I got an opportunity to work with him for, for 16 months and it was an absolute blast. It's Jamie Eisenberg, he of the great sleepers breakouts and bus columns that he writes every year. Different versions of them, I'm sure. I, I noticed that your your version 2.0 came out in July. I'm sure version 3.0 is on its way. We're gonna talk to Jamie all about how to find sleepers and who his sleepers are this year. But first, Jamie, how are you doing? Good. Good to talk with you again.
2: Uh, it's good talking to you. Uh, you know, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, um... You know, it's a it's a pleasure. Uh, I, I appreciate the intro. And, and Ben, the only reason I won those awards was because of, of you. So um, I will, I will, I'll mail them to you whenever you're uh, whenever. You're yeah,
1: the, the first one that you won before I was even at CBS was certainly because of me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I wanted to start actually talking a little bit about news. I mean, we're going to get into your sleepers for sure. But one of the things that I really enjoyed in my time working with you was how on top of news coverage you guys all were. I'm so in the weeds with numbers. Everyone who knows me knows I'm stats, I'm I'm data, I'm I'm prospect profiles. You do a really good job of staying on top of camp news and and information that I think really helped me round out my analysis. And I think it added a lot to sort of my process. I want to know first, like, how do you differentiate sort of actionable news from coach speak? That's something we're all trying to do. And especially this time of year, there's so much of it coming out of camp. What are some things you look for and that you're more willing to trust than than some of the other stuff that might just be camp hype?
2: I think, you know, first off, uh, we're all probably guilty of this uh, as fantasy analysts, as fantasy players, as football fans in general. Um, When you have a feeling about a player or a team or situation, if you hear something positive, it's confirmation bias. You know, if you hear something negative, it's confirmation bias the other way. And so you know you you hear something like I'll just give you an example you know so we have and this this is what helps me the most uh, to sort of you know get through the BS of of a lot of it is um, and and I hope you you know benefited from it when you were here Ben is that uh, we have a lot of great NFL reporters at CBS and you know we lost this last year because of the pandemic but we have guys back on the road again and so Pete Prisco Jason Lockenfora uh, you know a couple of our former players Brian McFadden Brady Quinn. Um, you know, they're so plugged into the league, Jonathan Jones now, who's, you know, becoming a, 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 very fast rising, you know, NFL insider for us. Um, they're so plugged into the league, you know, that we get the benefit of, you know, what those guys report, but also what they don't report, you know, and, and those things kind of help you, uh, behind the scenes, but you know, it's, it's taking advantage of, of those certain, you know, certain scenarios of who do you trust and, you know, pushing you in direction, I think that you want to go. So the example I was going to give you is Jonathan Jones was with the 49ers and was just, and the Chargers, you know, this week. So he's on his, his California swing. You probably saw the report on on NBC Sports about uh, Justin Jackson, you know, and and what he was, you know, learning there about his role as the, as the second guy. It's sort of been, you know, a little bit of snowball that, that's been building toward that. But, you know, to hear one of our guys say that, you know, you, you feel a little bit more comfortable about it. Um, he also was, you know, in San Francisco and hearing great things about Trey Sermon. You know, where somebody told him there, Alvin Kamara like uh, Ezekiel Elliott like. You know, he doesn't profile like you know those guys per se, but you know maybe just taking that step forward. And, and we just talked about this on CBS Sports HQ. Um, Heath brought up something, uh, you know, and and we all try to draw comparisons. So Heath brought up something about when Michael Thomas uh, was in his rookie season with the Saints in camp and they had a joint practice with the Texans and. DeAndre Hopkins says, wow, that guy looks like me. And the players were starting to, you know, buzz about, um, about, about Michael Thomas uh, in New Orleans and JJ, Jonathan Jones, uh, on our, on our show was saying, Trent Williams is just raving about Trey Sermon, you know, and, and Heath was like, when you hear players starting to say stuff about guys that you kind of, you know, are interested in and, and, and the, the buzz is going through the locker room. You know, those things are are I think important. So it, it's for me, you know, I'm 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 a probably a little different spot than, than most people in this industry because I'm a former beat guy and I cover the dolphins for many years. So I have relationships with a lot of writers, you know. So I, I reach out to guys that I trust. Uh, but I think the 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 larger point is probably what I said at the beginning. If you have a good feeling about a player and somebody says something positive, you're like, Yeah, go guy, go. <laughs> and then it says you know, that guy's, you know, look like, you know, the Jamar Chase report. Oh, he's not getting separation. Well, if you're not a Jamar Chase guy, you're like, well, oh, I'm going to maybe invest a little more in T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. You know, so it goes both ways. Jimmy,
3: you mentioned trusting some of the players, trusting some of the writers. Are there coaches that you are more excited to hear news from than others because uh, maybe they're more – they're less – less prone to hyperbole in discussing their own guys. And then what types of news are you looking for in terms of role or best shape of my life? Or is there a specific thing that comes out from the coaches that maybe jumps out to you more than someone simply say, oh, well, he's lighter and running faster?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're more inclined to avoid the, the rah-rah guys, you know, uh, Pete Carroll's obviously, you know, Mr. Optimism, um, you know, so anytime he says something positive about a guy, it, it's probably, you want to go the opposite. Um, John Gruden, you know, th- those type of guys, they're, they're always, you know, prone to hyperbole and, and you know, it's a little nerve wracking. I, I think, you know, you look for uh role most importantly, you know, uh, best shape of my life is always interesting because, you know, running backs, we try to avoid the guys that are putting on weight, you know, and, and um, I know like, last year, Ben, for example, you know, the Ronald Jones conversation after Dave spoke to his trainer, you know, and what kind of muscle was it or what kind of weight was it? You know, those things are always tricky. But uh, if you're an Ezekiel Elliott guy, for example, you know, when you see um, that he's in the best shape of his life, you know, that's encouraging. Ben Roethlisberger, that's encouraging for especially guys that you know were not necessarily in the best shape of their careers, uh, maybe in previous seasons. So, uh, in terms of the coaches, you know, I, I'll give you another example, you know, tying into our our, our reporters. Um, so Pete Prisco, who's covered the NFL for 30 plus years. And I, I know it was, Ben's probably having flashbacks now because I would say Pete's name all the time. But I, I trust Pete as much as anybody. And he's certainly gotten his fair share of things wrong. But he's, he's one of those guys that has covered the league so long. If he wanted to be an insider, he could have been um, just because of the relationships that he has. But he's meeting coaches, you know, that are new in the league for the first time. And he didn't know Brian Flores. And he got a chance to uh, go hang out with Flores for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was at Dolphins camp. And he came away and, you know, Pete and I talk all the time. And he was like, dude, he loves Miles Gaskin, loves Miles Gaskin. And so if you're a Gaskin guy, so now you hear something like that, you know, for me per se, um, and, and Pete's, you know, uh, kind enough that he allows me to share this stuff with our audience. So Ben's heard me, you know, mention these type of things before, but so he lo- he says Flores loves Gaskin. So again, confirmation bias. Well, now you start to put the puzzle together. Well, what they do last year when Gaskin got the job, he had the job. It was his, you know, it wasn't a shared situation. We didn't see a lot of other guys. And then you look at the off season, what they do? They brought in a, you know, basically a journeyman or, you know, a, a guy like Malcolm Brown who's not going to be a feature type of guy. And then you hear the coach say something like that to a reporter off the record. Um, or at least, you know, not something that's, uh, the type of news that you have to report. That's going to, you know, be earth shattering. So, it starts to again the 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 snowball effect, and you know you buy into things like that. So, um, you know you, you know the coaches that are just more prone to it than others. But I, I think you know again it comes down to who you trust. You know who you've been reading for a long time. You know who who are the reporters that you you follow on Twitter or you know you see their their writing and you and you know they're just not throwing stuff out there. And and I'll, I'll give you a, a real life example that I learned as a young reporter. Um, my first year of doing free agency for the uh, Palm Beach Post when I was covering the Dolphins. Um, I was, uh, the way that we did it was we, we split up calling agents. Uh, I was, Joe Shad was the the reporter at the time. He's, he's now back covering the team as the beat writer for the dolphins. Joe said, you take these agents. I'll take these agents. We'll make some calls. So I don't even remember the agent anymore at the time, but it was Tio's agent and he was a free agent. And I called the agent and I said, uh, Hey, or, uh, is To interested in the dolphins? And he said, Oh, absolutely. You know, went on this whole diatribe about how it'd be a great fit, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I. You know reached out to somebody in the organization said yeah of course we're, we're going to consider you know to and so wrote a road story big headline to uh dolphins have mutual interest whatever it was and i got just lit up and down by uh, uh another beat writer for um different different publication uh, you can probably figure out which one there's not that many in south florida <laughs> but of course the agent's using you what are you doing <laughs> you know like trying to help me as a young guy uh, but also pissed that he hadn't now chased the story And so, you know, there, there are things that people use reporters for. So, you know, again, it comes down to who you trust, but I learned that lesson as a young reporter. And so I, I try to, you know, you know, read through those blurry lines myself when I'm looking at some of these practice reports and and things coaches are saying. Yeah. I mean, that is super interesting. I love hearing the Gaskin up being a university of Washington guy,
1: obviously. I mean, you talk about positive confirmation bias. I want that guy to succeed so bad. Yeah, man. (laughs) There's a lot of situations that are kind of confusing right now that, that, um, you know, they're, the, the whole fantasy community is either kind of shying away from or some that, that are, we're sort of dipping our toes in, we, we think might have value. I'd love to get your thoughts on it, whether it's, you know, some of this insider information we're talking about, or, or just your, you know, your analyst hat, who, who you like. So it's, it's almost like this quick game of, is there a sleeper here? The first one uh, is a new Orleans situation with Michael Thomas hurt there's just so many available targets. We're hearing a lot of buzz about Marcus Callaway. Is he the guy now? Is there someone else there that you like?
2: I think it's more just, you know, for Callaway, it's not just Michael Thomas, it's Traquan Smith not being on the field, you know, so with both those guys there, it's almost like who's left. And, um, you know, uh, again, you know, Pete Prisco was in New Orleans with Sean Payton. And Pete was basically saying, how could you play Taysom Hill and not play James Winston? He's like, you you may need Taysom as a as a pass catcher, you know, it's <laughs> it, 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 because all these bodies are 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 going by the wayside. I think Callaway is is certainly a guy getting some buzz. Uh, I still think Traquan's ceiling is higher. You know, if you were to tell me both are healthy, I'd rather have Traquan Smith. I'd be more inclined to just avoid those guys unless we're just talking late late late, and that's where they're going. So it's you know it's the free space you know with one of your last picks. I think it's gonna be a lot of Kamara, a lot of Troutman. Um, you know, that's something that that Pete came away from Sean Payton's conversation, you know, so uh, that's that's encouraging, you know, for people that are investing clearly with Kamara with the top five pick and, and Troutman as a as a potential sleeper breakout tight end, whatever category you want to put him in. But if if you're looking at just those second tier wide receivers behind Michael Thomas, um, if I'm drafting now, i am probably give a little more of an edge to Callaway. But I think when Traquan's there, he's going to be the better talent of the two.
3: How about a situation at running back? for the Falcons where we know Mike Davis is not an established NFL star. So the number two position in an offense that still should be pretty good becomes pretty appealing. Hawkins, someone who has this great profile and has the athleticism might be someone even who would be prone to more high value touches. But when you're talking about someone who's undrafted, you really need to hear buzz to start, feel comfortable drafting him. And instead we have reports that Allison is like the clear number two. Is there a way that fantasy owners should be playing that right now?
2: Avoid, (laughs) you know, probably is the best way. Um, but I, I think it's going to be, you know, a a committee if they don't, you know, if they lose Davis or they don't trust Davis, I, the, the, the one thing that kind of scares me a little bit, and this is something I think, you know, when you, you follow trends around the league is who follows the coach, you know, whenever a coach changes teams and who followed the coach, you know, it was a, it was a signing that they just made last week, but Deontay Foreman was with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. And does he gain a little bit of an edge over those backup guys? And why do they bring in somebody like that this late in the game? You know, so is it because Patterson is still just the gadget guy and he's going to continue to be the gadget guy? Or is it really that the other three guys aren't necessarily, you know, distancing themselves uh, from one another? I still think this is a team that is going to add somebody else, whether it's a guy who gets cut toward the end of the, the, the training camp preseason process. Or maybe they make a move for somebody, you know, the Petersons, the Le'Veon Bells, the Duke Johnsons of the world, you know, the guys that are still out there. So I wouldn't rule out somebody else coming in. But right now, if I'm handcuffing Mike Davis or I'm just looking to get somebody in this backfield, I probably would take a chance on on Allison just because I think that's the guy that they're favoring. Uh, but it's probably not going to be a, a, a difference-making type of player either way.
1: Yeah, I've been kind of liking him just because he's a bigger back. And we know Smith comes from from Tennessee. It's interesting that you point out Foreman, though, too, another bigger back. But, you know, if he wants to try to recreate some of the Derrick Henry stuff, it is it is uh, uh, an interesting thing to hear the positive buzz on Allison for sure. What about the Jets running backs? Obviously, Michael Carter, fourth round rookie, looks like he has sort of the red carpet rolled out for him. Tevin Coleman comes over from San Francisco where the coaching staff came from. They have Ty Johnson. They have Michael P. Ryan. How are you playing the Jets backfield?
2: It's Carter for me. You know, uh, sometimes, I, and, and Ben, you probably remember this, and, and, and Sean, uh, you know, we, we, I'm sure we all fall victim to the shiny new toy, but they, the fact that they were giving him, you know, the the first team reps out of the gate, I think is certainly encouraging. And, and look, Tevin Coleman is who he is at this point. You know, he's got a hard time staying healthy. He's never really taken advantage of being a featured guy uh, when he got the opportunity to go to San Francisco. Michael P. Ryan, I think, you know, showed you he's just a guy, you know, and I say that uh, as a Florida guy myself. So... I was, uh, I was hoping he would have an opportunity. They seem to like Ty Johnson, so that's interesting to keep an eye on, but uh, my guess it's it's something similar to the Falcon situation, that if Michael Carter doesn't live up to the expectations or gets hurt, we're going to see a committee backfield there, um, and a lot of people looking at Michael Floor coming from Kyle Shanahan's system, expecting to be more of a, a timeshare, which I, I don't think they're going to get Michael Carter, you know, uh, the 20-touch opportunity. You know, I, I think at best you're looking at a 15-touch opportunity, but um, one of our guys at, at CBS, um, is Emory hunt, who's a former running back himself and is a, you know, does a good job in the scouting process leading up the NFL draft. I believe if I remember correctly, and I, I don't want to say this wrong, I know he liked him better than Javante Williams. I think he might've liked him better than Najee Harris. Um, Michael Carter, you know, so, uh, very high on Carter coming into the NFL draft before he went to the jets, he got to a team that, you know, has certainly a need. And so, uh, I'm excited about Michael Carter, you know, I'm not going to overdraft him, but you know, he's in that, uh, probably in the dead zone for Ben, but, um, <laughs> you know, where he goes. But I still think somebody that you, uh, if you get at the right spot, can, can be a flex option for you or, you know, uh, an RB2 if you go receiver heavy to start your team.
3: How about the Patriots? This offense that appears to have a lot of running back talent, but maybe no superstars and maybe an offense that doesn't actually lend itself that well to running backs actually scoring points this season a little bit different maybe than during the Tom Brady years. Do you have a guy here? I mean, Damian Harris, not that expensive as the presumed starter, but also even at the price he has, maybe a little bit limited.
2: I like Damian Harris quite a bit. You know, I, I think, you know, you go back to last year and you saw the work that they gave him, um, you know, it was encouraging. Uh, he's not going to do anything to passing game, So, you know, you got to be worried about that. And clearly what Cam does, um, you know, at the goal line and his, his rushing touchdowns and, and all those things that, that go along with Cam Newton but I, I do think that this is going to be one of the more run heavy teams in the NFL. I think you're going to see a much improved offensive line, uh, just a better team in general, because I think their defense will be better also. I would like to see them move on from Sonny Michelle. And this is one of the guys I think that could make some sense in Atlanta, if they were to pick him up or try to make a move for him. Um, maybe the Rams, if they were to try to get just another you know compliment to to Daryl Henderson, maybe Miami, if they wanted to you know have some other options for uh, Miles Gaskin. But uh, if they get rid of Sonny Michelle, because he's apparently having a strong training camp and then allow it to be the three headed monster of, uh, Harris as the lead guy, James White playing his role. And then as we saw in the preseason game, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, was pretty exciting. So, you know, for anybody that still has their dynasty drafts coming up, if, if they haven't done the rookie drafts yet, you know, he's going to probably move up a few spots. But, um, I think Damien Harris has the ability to be that guy. And and they showed you that last year that they were, were comfortable with him. Um, you know i think it was about three of his 10 games over 100 yards you know so uh he he can, he can be a, a decent flex type of running back i don't know if he's a league winning type of guy in ppr or half ppr but for those people that play in non-ppr he's more attractive in those formats
1: All right. Enough dancing around it. You are the sleepers breakouts in bus guy. And, and correct me if I'm wrong version, version 3.0 is not out and will be coming out soon. I imagine let's go position by position a little bit. Who are a couple of your favorite, I mean, we'll just start a quarterback who are a couple of your favorite quarterback sleepers this year.
2: You know, it, it quarterback's so hard because there's, you know, everybody's going to say Trey Lance at this point, everybody's going to say, you know, probably Trevor Lawrence still just based on where their ADP is. And, and that's really the, the, I think the way you have to approach it is, you know, guys are going late, but I'm going to go off the board with two old guys at the position that I think are going to be good super flex plays, uh, two QB plays. They're not going to be one quarterback options on draft day, but by the end of the season, they could be streaming guys for you. It's Roethlisberger and Fitzpatrick. And, you know, it's funny because we as a fantasy community will sit here and say, draft Najee Harris potentially as a first round pick. Draft Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster as potential starting options, but avoid Roethlisberger. And, you know, he was the 13th quarterback last year. Um, I'm hoping that better shape, healthier elbow. Um, The offensive line situation is so interesting to me because, you know, they lost name guys, but they lost name guys who played poorly last year. So hopefully the reset button will help them. And I think if Ben can take advantage of, you know, these these weapons that he has, he can end up being, you know, a, a better quarterback than he was last year. Not necessarily back to the 2019 or 2018 form that he showed us but can certainly be somebody that can be in that streaming conversation. And again, a a super flex and two QB, two QB league guy. And then Fitzpatrick, look, I mean, every time he gets a chance to play, he plays well, (laughs) you know, so you put him in a situation behind a strong offensive line. You know what? I think is going to be a good run game. Uh, I love Scott Turner and the system that he has. Um, Terry McLaurin, I think, has got star potential. Uh, Hopefully Curtis Samuel is healthy. Logan Thomas was good last year. You know, I could run down the list of all the guys they have there. Uh, I guess I already did that, um, but uh, you know Fitzpatrick's got a good spot in a in a good situation. Again, not a one QB guy you want to draft, but a two QB and super flex guy. I think he's certainly uh, worth uh, keeping your eye on, and and in those leagues, you know, uh, drafting as well.
3: I love to hear that about Fitzpatrick. I'm always fighting my co-owners on all of these leagues that we do, where we get uh, kind of into those late middle rounds, and you know, can we pass? It's like let's pass on QB, pass on QB. You're in a best ball, you need two or three guys, and Fitzpatrick's gonna be sitting there late. Like he's going to score so many points. Why can't we just target him? <laughs> so awesome to hear you say that. Ben and I want to know, we desperately need the running back sleeper so we can execute our zero RB teams. Who should we look at? <laughs>
2: I've never known Ben to do that. I thought he's always, you know, robust RB. Takes, <laughs> takes them all. Two guys that I I, I draft a lot. Uh, first is Darrell Williams. You know, I, I think, you know, you always look at who could be, the guy on a great offense. And I think Clyde edwards Lair is going to have a bounce back season because the offensive line is going to be dramatically better. You know, that group was terrible last year, certainly as we saw in the, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but Daryl Williams is somebody for me that I've taken in so many drafts already. And he's one injury away, as we saw last year. You know, they were comfortable with using him in the playoff run when Le'Veon was bad and, and edwards Lair was hurt. And so, Jarek McKinnon's going to have his role. I don't think he's the type of guy that they'll lean on as a rusher. He's more of a guy to lean on as a pass catcher. That role is obviously going to be important, but... Uh, Daryl Williams, I think, you know, uh, the, the report earlier this, uh, or two weeks ago, I guess it was at this point where he was getting, you know, 30% of the first team reps already. You know, uh, we had our guy, Evan Washburn, um, who's, you know, one of the NFL reporters for CBS. He was actually with the chiefs that day that that came out. And I asked him about that. And he said, he said, mostly it's just, they want to make sure Daryl Williams knows what he's doing. It's not that he's taking anything away from Edwards who should be the guy there. But again, tells you that they could lean on him. If in fact, Edwards O'Leary goes down and we saw that happen to him last year. And the other guy is, is Xavier Jones. You know, again, looking at the offense and what it's going to be for the Rams. Um, uh, another team that can add somebody still. But I, I think, you know, you just look at the fact that they said the other day, uh, carve out a role for himself. Um, those type of things are the things that you look for. You know, the lottery ticket guys, the the, the guys who get a chance and, and, and hopefully take advantage of it. I don't think the Rams are done with what their backfield is going to look like. But I do think he's going to be the second guy for now. And uh, if that's the case, that's somebody that's easily worth what his draft capital is right now, which is in the double-digit rounds.
1: Yeah, he's really interesting because everyone is assuming they're going to add somebody, but who's that going to be? Is that player even going to be that useful? You mentioned Le'Veon Bell last year, not really doing much with the Chiefs. If it's somebody like that that's a little bit older that maybe doesn't really have it, And, and maybe Jones with this positive buzz is so good that they decide not even to do it, which would be sort of a surprise at this point, but that's a team that has definitely generated a lot of running back points over the last couple of years. And, and, and McVeigh really likes to use the running backs in the, in the red zone, especially scored a lot of touchdowns. So if he got an opportunity, um, to be the lead back, say Daryl Henderson misses some time, I think he could be really interesting. What about wide receiver? Who are a couple, couple of your favorite sleepers at receiver?
2: Uh, Jacoby Myers is somebody that I liked a lot last year and, you know, is, is, you know, the buzz is starting to, you know, uh, come up to the surface again, again, again with him, which makes sense. You know, Nelson Aguilar, I, I never really understood the signing. Uh, for him to be the lead guy there. And, you know, Myers uh, was, was very valuable for them, you know, last season when Julian Edelman got hurt. And I think, you know, as we saw in the first preseason game with Mac Jones, you know, I don't know how many shots he's going to take down the field, but uh, if they continue to do what the Patriots continue to do and live in the middle of the field, um, you know, Jacoby Myers, I think has a chance to uh, lead them in receptions, potentially lead them in targets. We'll see what the tight ends, but uh, have the chance to, you uh, you know, be a great PPR asset. Uh, He's got to find the end zone, hasn't scored yet in his career. So I think that will happen. There's a bold prediction for you. Jacoby Myers will score a touchdown this season. So he's somebody that I think, you know, you just look at right now, given his opportunity uh, on the team that he's on, I I hope Hunter Henry comes back and they can run this two tight end set and this two tight end offense that they want to use and, you know, maybe get back to whatever version of Gronk and Henderson or Gronk Gronk and Hernandez that they had, uh, you know, once upon a time. But I think Jacoby Myers is, is the new Julian Edelman for them and could and lead them in receptions and be a very, very good uh, late round pick for you, especially in, in leagues for catches count. Then the other guy I guess would be um, uh, Sterling Shepard is another one that's, you know, becoming more and more attractive to me is uh, the longer Kenny Galladay is out. Daniel Jones trusts Shepard. Um, I love when guys are, you know, in, in certain situations he's playing for contract. You know, I, I think he saw the writing on the wall this offseason when they signed Kenny Galladay and they drafted Kadarius Toney. They're probably not going to, you know, pay him next year. Um, unless, you know, he gets hurt or something happens and he gets, you know, some sort of you know cheap deal like a like a juju to come back for a one year situation, prove it deal. But I mean Shepard's been Daniel Jones' guy. And I know that sounds funny to say, but he does a great job getting open, great job making plays. Um he's always undervalued and underrated. And you know, the Giants are uh in a spot now. The longer Galladay misses and the more Kadarius Tony you know, comes in and out of the lineup, I think Sterling, Sterling Shepard's role is pretty much solidified.
3: That's great to hear for some of the best ball advice again that we've given where Uh, The veteran wide receivers late with established roles tend to really be big for win rates, whereas chasing uh, some of these younger players who don't have a role and very speculative tends to knock those down. Uh, You've given us some great insider info. And with the Jacoby Myers pick, I was wondering if you had insight for us on kind of how long Cam Newton versus Mac Jones. People are so focused on, you know, when will Justin Fields play? When will Trey Lance play? But when Mac Jones will play is very relevant for a Patriots team. That's going to have a lot of very cheap options at running back and wide receiver.
2: I think if you you listen to Cam Newton last night, you know, there was a clip that was circulating after he uh, took the hit from chase young. Somebody asked him about chase young and he said, uh, was, you know, he was talking about chase young. So that was kind of the reason why the, the clip made the rounds, but he talked about the ball security, you know, and you know, I think we all look at it and say, okay, losing streak, they replace him. Uh, injury, as we know, Cam, from time to time, has gotten banged up, and last year had the COVID situation. Um, easy to replace him, and then, you know, you don't turn back. And, and that's how the Patriots, you know, success started when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady took over. But I think if, it, if he's having a, a, ter- a stretch of games where he's turning the ball over, they'll replace him in that regard, whether they're winning or losing, you know, because the thing that came out of that last night is he can play quarterback for the New England Patriots. And, and that doesn't mean he's ready to be an NFL star or maybe an NFL starter. But he did the things that they want to do: move the ball, don't take a lot of chances, and certainly don't turn the ball over. And I think he's very capable of doing that. He is the definition of a system quarterback in that small sample size for what that team has to offer. If he was just doing what he was asked to do, great. Does he have more to offer? I certainly think so. But just that small snippet, he seemed to show you that he can run what the Patriots offense used to be. You no, know, I think um, if you if you know you know the Patriots history. Prior to Randy Moss and, and Wes Welker in, in 2007, I guess it was, right? They were a ball control, run the ball, lean on their defense team. And I think that's the way that they're built right now. So Mac Jones can do that. So I would not be surprised. There's no insight there. This is just me telling you this. Uh, there's, there, there would not be a surprise if, if Cam Newton, you know, fumbles once or twice in the game or, you know, starts to turn the ball over a little bit. Uh, Mac Jones will be under center for the Patriots probably sooner rather than later.
1: That's really interesting. Um, how about, Tight end for your sleepers who are a couple guys that you're looking at late kind of a gross position always but
2: uh. <laughs> <laughs> gross position, you know so i i, I think you know for me I, I try to look past like you know irv smith and adam troutman you know i think will fall into this category from an adp standpoint but i'm looking at the 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 next group of guys i still think there's an opportunity for blake jarwin if he's healthy uh Dal- dalton schultz is a little bit banged up right now i don't like the fact that schultz is doing as much as he's doing in camp at least based on the reports so it's a little hard to say you can buy back into Blake Darwin, but I was so excited about him last year. You know, I thought he was going to take that step forward. You know, what he showed you, you know, toward the end of the season in 2019 um, with the opportunity there. And and Schultz kind of played that out without Dak Prescott on the field, you know, so I hope that he can, you know, come back and prove that he's the guy. His contract still says he's the guy, but will his opportunity be the same? And it's a crowded offense, but uh, Dak has shown you this, uh, you know, you know I, I don't want to say the the system, because we don't really see it, but, you know, Schultz played, Well enough last year to show you that even in a crowded receiving core, uh, the tight end can still make some plays, especially in the red zone. So Jarwin's somebody that I still draft uh, quite a bit and I'm still excited about. And then Ben, I'm sure you've probably said this a lot as a Seattle guy, but Gerald Everett is the other one. Um, You know, just going to that system where he knows the play caller now and they're begging for a third guy to step forward. You know, I mean, they've been begging for a third guy to step forward for years. Uh, Metcalf and Lockett are going to get their targets. They're going to get their numbers. They're going to put up plenty of production. But I do think that you see Russell Wilson saying we have a playmaking tight end and obviously they have a lot of guys there you know Will Will Disley still there he's going to get his chances as well but I think familiarity matters as I I, you know going back to the Deontay Foreman situation player following coach they know that in certain situations they can rely on that guy whether that's a key third down a red zone play uh you know a a second voice in the huddle a second voice in a practice uh, in a meeting room and I think Gerald Everett will be that guy so He's somebody that I think you know. If people are inclined, especially in best ball, you know, you have to take two tight ends. But if you're inclined in a redraft league to take a second tight end, just as a as a flyer to see what happens, I think Gerald Everett's one of those guys you put on your list because uh, if Russell Wilson and this offense does change to whatever degree it changes and gets a little bit more open and the ball out quicker, I think Gerald Everett will be that third pass catcher for uh, for Seattle.
3: Jamie, this has been awesome. Um, Maybe you could leave us with one more situation we should be looking at perhaps you know how do we deal with the tricky uh, Packers wide receiver core at this point and then obviously our audience knows where to find you but but tell listeners where they should be looking for you and and what you've got coming up
2: I think with the Packers um Aaron Rodgers told you who he's gonna make as the second guy you know I want Randall Cobb you know I, I'm gonna imagine he's uh he's seeing all the things about Jake Kumaro in Buffalo is like okay, when they cut him or if they cut him, you know, let's let's bring him back and maybe sign Jordy Nelson once again and get everybody back <laughs> that he once upon a time been, you know, enamored with. I don't love any of the second guys. I don't know how you can because they throw to their backs. You know, Tanya's going to get his 70 targets or whatever it'll be, you know, over 17 games, and he'll be a red zone threat. I also think, and this matters um, for how the, the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, you know, uh, photo that made its rounds when when Aaron Rodgers was having his drama. He wants to get Devontae Adams paid. You know, I don't think he's gonna go away from him. And why would you? He's the best wide receiver in, in the game. The way he runs routes and, and does everything that he does. So it's it's to me it's Adams or bust. Uh, I did uh, we did hold a draft on CBS um, earlier this week, and I just got done doing uh, Chris's Harris podcast. And Chris does a great job. And that was one of his. Uh, post type sleeper. So it was in my head and Randall Cobb was in there. I needed a a fifth receiver. So I took a a shot on Randall Cobb. That's the only thing I think you look for, you know, last round pick, you know, and you get past the the waves and waves of guys that you like. Uh, I'll draft, I'll draft Randall Cobb with the hope that, you know, he'll rack up a a good enough amount of catches that, you know, it it, it somewhat will matter. But there's, it's a floor play as opposed to a ceiling play, and, and nobody should be chasing floor plays. You just settle for those type of guys. Um, you can follow me on, on, uh, on CBS sports HQ. It's our 24 hour streaming network. Uh, we have our fantasy football today show every day at noon Eastern. Um, it, it brings in all of our, our cast of characters. Uh, I wish Ben was back, you know, for, for having him on cause he was such a great addition and we miss you every day. Uh, but, uh, 12 o'clock Eastern Adam Azar's on there. Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, uh, Chris Towers, you know, so, uh, we bring in a bunch of guests, you know, so all the guys I mentioned, Pete JLC, uh, Uh, Jonathan Jones, you know, so we, we try to bring you as much football information as we can and hopefully help you win your fantasy leagues.
3: That will do it for today's guest episode of Stealing Bananas as we help you find sleepers. Jamie Eisenberg from CBS helping us with some insider tips and some great background on how we want to deal with some of these depth charts. We really appreciate him coming on the show today. He was fantastic. I'm Sean Siegel. With me as always is Ben Gretch. You can follow him at Yards Per gretch, and even more importantly, make sure you subscribe to his newsletter, Stealing Signals. Uh, Once you've read it, it will change the way you think about fantasy football. Uh, We hear that all the time from the people who do subscribe to his newsletter. Also, we appreciate all of our subscribers, and if you're renewing, extending, or joining us for the first time, use the code Radio 2021 at checkout. Get a 10% discount that way we also really appreciate all of our subscribers to stealing bananas we'll have more shows for you soon you get those the fastest if you subscribe to our feed uh, please leave us a rating review on your favorite app the reviews again just uh, we can't believe the outpouring uh, that we've gotten from the listeners we appreciate that so much stay with us we'll chat with you soon.